Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you're all having a fantastic day out there. We're out here at a sports Sunday, and as we've talked about in past episodes, the sports world right now is looking a little bit desolate, looking a little bit isolated, looking a little bit uh, torn apart and melted down. The Olympics are pushed back a year, which by the way, I am in favor of. We don't want any kind of social pressure to be uh, diminishing the performance of these athletes. We want the world and all the countries to be able to enjoy it thoroughly. But that means people's training has halted, has stopped, has changed periodization abruptly. But that doesn't mean training should stop. And with training comes overreaching and preparing our bodies in different schemes. And with that comes tissue irritability, tissue sensitivity, um, and need to enhance recovery. With this need to enhance recovery, Uh, athletes, especially elite athletes, are looking for the best ways to do this. And today's Sports Sunday is I'm going to admit a mistake I've made throughout my, not necessarily career now, um, but through my early days as an athlete and my own recovery, my own rehab, things I've done that was not on a strong basis that I might have done too much. Throughout college, I had a couple of shoulder injuries. Um, they're, they're minor injuries, um, no permanent damage, but minor tears, fraying, the rotator cuff. Um, you know, this was from sports, from lifting. Um, you know, thankfully, again, minor tear, partial tear, still had a decent function in my shoulder, but killed me a good amount. It hurt a lot. Um, part of it, I was in a sling for a little bit for At the end of the day, as I kind of retrospectively think, did I need to be in a sling all the time? Yeah, for one of the times, I probably did for about a week or so. That probably lasted a little bit longer than necessary. Um, I actually took a little bit better care of myself. I had the right intentions, just didn't have the best guidance for it in my own self-care, self-treatment. So that's something that I absolutely uh, should have improved. But... Going back to um, those college years and then my high school days, you know, I what, what, what was I thinking at the time to help reduce the inflammation, help reduce some of the swelling, help reduce um, some of the pain for myself in that area? Because ultimately my goal was, hey, let me improve fr- function. I remember talking to, uh, soon after one of the injuries happened, talking to, uh, again, this was before I understood um, medicine terribly well, but I was talking to one of my friends said, Hey, you guys have ibuprofen at all? And they're like, they're looking through their stuff. They're like, no guy, but I got Tylenol. I'm like, no. So I knew enough to say, no, I can handle the pain. I don't need Tylenol for the pain. I don't need ibuprofen for the pain. I wanted the anti-inflammatory effect because Tylenol doesn't have that. So I knew enough to say that, Hey, ibuprofen has anti-inflammatory. Tylenol doesn't, but I didn't know enough for the time to know the mechanism behind which ibuprofen gives its reaction to allow 
for the anti-inflammatory effects to occur. I didn't know that it decreases platelet production, which in turn helps the healing process. And the inflammation to a certain small degree is the healing process. So we, we want to diminish it and decrease it a little bit, but not dilute it, overpower it, or squelch it. Then the other thing I did frequently, highly, 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 highly frequently was ice it. I mean, I remember going to a few of my classes with, you know, the ice bag around the shoulder all wrapped up and everything. And I made sure, you know, I didn't have it on for too much longer than 20 minutes. Although I pushed the threshold a little bit, um, not to get any kind of major numbness. And there, all right, halfway through class, <laughs> made weird sound effects just by kind of fast ripping through that, throwing it in the trash can. Made the teacher look a few times, but hey. That's all right. People came to expect it after a little bit, right? How's the dude who was getting the shoulder wrapped up to ice four, three, four times a day? And I felt like it helped my recovery. I felt like it helped me to reduce pain, to allow me to get back to activity a little quicker with the intention of my, in my mind, very pragmatically of, I want to reduce the inflammation in my shoulder. But here's the thing. We get into ice cube, ice ice baby. The talk of ice, it's roll in the body, it's roll with inflammation. The name Gary Rhinel comes up, Gary Rhinel. And he's done a lot of work for decades in research on ice, it's roll in inflammation, what effects it actually has. And he's kind of challenged us. And he has a book out there, by the way, um, that I would, I would recommend. I haven't read the full thing, I've read a lot of reviews on it. I've listened to some of the talks he's given with other um, people in the fitness performance world and I think it's phenomenal stuff but he does a lot of talk and research and physiology about the role of ice and what can it do uh, it's he talks about how you know people never used to ice really then it gained a ton of traction because there was an amputation uh, then in the amputation uh, they put the person's limb in ice allowed the metabolic rate to slow down, aka the rate of death, uh, cell demand to slow down so that they could eventually reattach it. And the news out there was that I saved the person's limb. So they applied that approach to say, okay, if I save the person's limb, let's go from dead limb or like severed off, destroyed to damaged tissue. You have a bruise, you have something else, ice it, right? To reduce swelling. So part of this with swelling is that does it have evidence to that if you apply ice immediately, it can decrease the overall accumulation of some of the swelling to that area by slowing down blood flow vasoconstricting? Yeah, I can do that a little bit if applied immediately. But what it also does is it shuts down the blood vessels so the swelling cannot get out of there. So that's the biggest problem is actually the stagnicity. So as we ice it, as we restrict, we vasoconstrict the blood vessels, it doesn't do a great job of preventing further swelling from accumulating. Why? Because the swelling has already accumulated. Now, when we have the swelling already accumulated, vasoconstricting, this, the situation kind of like what I was doing to myself, where I was icing for, you know, three weeks after the irritation. We're not having more 
swelling build up then whatsoever. And I wasn't terribly swollen up to begin with. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, let me reduce the metabolic demand of my tissue. Let me reduce that. When really what I should have been doing is being a little bit more consistent with gentle isometric loading of it and not protecting the shoulder so much. I was protecting the shoulder after I was kind of out of the tissue healing time frame of needing to protect it. So I was a bit, even though me mentally, my mentality was I wanted to push it. I was a little bit all or nothing in my mentality and I needed to change it up for myself. Well, good thing a few years after that, I went to physical therapy school, started learning a heck of a lot more about what I was doing. But it doesn't mean I was perfect at the time. It means I was always reflecting, always learning. So as we talk about this and ice vasoconstricting, what's the role of ice? Should we ice? Should we not ice? What's going on with that? Well, there's a lot of evidence now to say that we should not ice. If your goal is for muscle performance, if your goal is for recovery, if your goal is for decreasing inflammation, we should allow a low level of inflammation to occur in the system to promote healing to get swelling out of there. The best thing to do is actually early on engage in muscle activation, using the muscles again as a pump to help drive the swelling out of there to get that lymphatic tissue and lymphatic vessels engage again to get the extra fluid buildup up through the lymph nodes to process to clear the heck out of there for a lot of the necrotic cells in the area, including our own immune response. In addition to that, in addition to that, the ice doesn't necessarily help with muscle activation, right? What are we doing with ice is we're slowing down the metabolic rate of the tissue. We're cooling everything down. We're vasoconstricting for our body's tendency to try and save heat to maintain a homeostasis and environment, homeostasis. And so it's counterproductive. And I wasn't aware of that at the time. It's the same physiology we've always learned, but just the role of ice, 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 especially in the athletic training world, but in all like sports performance world, physical therapy, it was always there, always prevalent. Now, does this mean you should never ice? My answer is no. But we need to be mindful about when we do, why we do, and how we do. So, if your goal is to temporarily decrease pain, if your goal is to slow down the metabolic rate demand of the tissue, notice how I didn't say the goal of anti-inflammatory. Ice isn't going to do a ton of that. But it can allow the tissue a little bit of healing time to calm down the metabolic demands on it. If it's in more of a hypoxic state, it can help slowly bring it out of that. And if you're doing it for an analgesic, anti-pain response, that's better than getting yourself doped up on medication. I'm a big fan of it for that reason. But just know the limitations of it, and why you would do it, why you wouldn't do it. And so in these times of why you would do it, we don't wanna do this directly around the time of performance. You want to be warm, you want to feel good, you want the blood flowing, leading up to some kind of performance or muscle activation, even strengthening activity. And this can be low-level isometric strengthening even. You don't want to ice around those times. You don't want to ice immediately after that or soon after that either. You know, when you're, you want those videos of right after the big football game getting an ice bath. Now, if it has some major placebo effect, if you like it, if it's more of a kind of mental game plan for you, sure, I can appreciate that. 
but in terms of having your platelets recover, having natural, um, after exercise, there's a natural level of inflammation in the body that actually helps stimula, helps provide a stimulus for muscle recovery and muscle building. This is true throughout the body for even our heavy workouts that we do. They don't cause any kind of damage. It's a low level inflammation and this low level inflammation in the body triggers DNA level responses in our system to adapt and get stronger. We don't want to stunt that by icing. If you are going to ice, it's in a time away from all these activities. It's in a time outside of all this. It should be maybe in the morning, you know, when it's a couple of hours before a workout or something, a couple of hours before practice, when you have time to warm back up again naturally. I'm fine for that from a standpoint of, okay, let's get some analgesic effect in there. Potentially, and I kind of believe this, this makes sense to me. If we temporarily decrease the metabolic demand on a tissue, we can help promote recovery a little bit better as long as we allow adequate blood flow to return to that. I buy into that. That makes sense to me. Now, again, in this old-fashioned rice model of when you get an acute injury, the rest, the ice, the compression, the elevation, the worst thing in this is not the ice. The worst thing is the rest. We need to get the muscles activated, reactivated, loaded. A lot of the issues are there's a super maximal load initially. That's the injury, the irritation. Uh, then after that, it's not that it's because it's loaded too much or it's too sensitive. It's that the tissue has further damage because it's not loaded at all. It's not provided the stimulus to help heal itself. If it doesn't contract, doesn't move at all, it's just going to decompose, deteriorate. It has no stimulus from the body that's necessary. So it falls apart. We need to tell it that it is necessary again. We need to reintroduce the movement. So again, if ice helps you, to get to the point of you want to create some more movement in your life and it achieves that purpose for you, great. By all measure, that's what you should be doing. But if it doesn't, and it does not achieve, that means if it doesn't help move you forward for other aspects of your recovery, if you're not doing it for analgesic effect, but you're doing it for what you think is inflammation, I would hesitate with that. I would do that less. So today is all about bringing us back up to speed with some evidence that's been out there for the last four or five years, um, more predominantly, but that Gary Reynolds has been getting behind now, and that now finally a lot of people in the fitness industry, including my and performance industry and health industry, including myself, are more aware of it. And again, when I'm talking with my athletes about this, you know, I, I tell them, hey, we're, uh, I sometimes I'll, you know, if they have an acute injury, I'll ask them, hey, have you been icing? Um, and, you know, sometimes it's funny, the responses I get, um, sometimes they're like, oh, you know, it's, uh, I did initially, then I stopped, and I, I know I should be icing more, like, I almost feel guilty for it, like, they assume I'm asking them because it's what you need to do, right? Because that's our narrative, that's what we've been telling everybody. But that's not inherently the case, so I tell them about, hey, we've got some new research out there that it doesn't really do as much as we thought it did, it might even be counterproductive at different stages, and I talk to them for those that have a high-level understanding of, hey, if it helps you for pain and you're doing this and it helps you do this instead of some pain medication, I'm a huge fan of that. But let's be transparent and, okay, here's what it does do. Here's what it does not do. And how can we help you in the overall picture of yourself as an athlete, as a human, as somebody, as a human wanting to improve performance in some way, shape, or form? 
what can we do to help regulate that? And if that's part of the picture, great. If that's not part of the picture, great. And I've even had some people that have told me, you know, even before I brought anything up, they, I said, have you been icing? Yeah. And I said, okay, has it been helping? Very open-ended question. You know, not really. It kind of did at first, and then um, I thought we'd be doing more. Okay, let's have a conversation about that. And let's have a conversation about all these other pieces of the puzzle. Do I value this new conversation to roll around ice more important than the roll around movement? No. But it's one important element that we want to bring to the table. So as you're talking with, um, really conversation with yourself about should you be using ice for any people you work with, um, for friends or family, absolutely have the conversation. Now again, if it's not a huge deal, if you know, you're doing it for a little bit of pain, if it helps prevent you from other things that have worse side effects, by all means, I'm fine for it. But should you be like the knucklehead that I was back in the day, not knowing any better ice in the shoulder three or four times a day? I'd recommend not. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for keeping it real out there on this great sports Sunday. Ice, ice, baby. Let's get it. All right, y'all. Simply not easy.